We have brought in some of the strongest sanctions in the world against the Iranian regime. The top 50% of the leadership of the Iranian regime is now permanently banned from ever being able to come to Canada and have a safe haven here. Now, let's talk about economic sanctions this morning, shall we? So there's Prime Minister Trudeau talking about Iranian sanctions. Well, this week we also heard that both Canada and the United States imposed new sanctions on individuals and entities to mark the one year that has gone by since Russia invaded Ukraine. And we've already sanctioned more than 2,400 people and entities. That's in the Russian situation. With the Iranian sanctions, hundreds of people and entities have been sanctioned by Canada. So it all begs the question, doesn't it? Do sanctions work? They can be an important tool in response to worldwide issues, but can they be improved to have more impact? Well, joining us now is Jeffrey Schott, who's a senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics and the co-author of Economic Sanctions Reconsidered. Jeffrey, thank you for being here. Good morning. It's my pleasure. Do economic sanctions work? Well, that's the question I'm asked thousands of times, and the the, the answer is they make uh, it more costly and cumbersome to do business with the targeted regime, whether it's Russia or Iran or, or another country. Uh, but alone, they can't uh, uh, solve the problems that you have and, and cause a country to back down and, uh, and change its policy. Okay, so then uh, why do we keep doing be, them? We do them because it, it, it makes the target regime less able to meet its goals. Uh, more vulnerable to military or, dipl- uh, or action, more vulnerable to dis- uh, uh, to discord among its own people, and uh, therefore less likely to sustain its uh, aggressive actions. Okay, so those would seem like a-, a good end, right? Like that's what we would want sanctions to do. So where is the disconnect then, Jeffrey? Do we, as the general public, expect too much when we hear about economic sanctions? Uh, I think the sanctions are oversold by officials, uh, and they uh, often uh, people are are too impatient, uh, and they say we want this to work now. Uh, and rather, sanctions have a corrosive effect. They're they're not a uh, a silver bullet that will will solve your problem, but they will erode the the ability of the target regime over time. And often people don't want to pay, uh, wait that long because the uh, cost of the sanctions hits the target regime, but it also can affect uh, the people in the countries applying the sanctions, as people in Europe know from the high cost of energy that has resulted from right. the war. Can you think of an example where sanctions have worked, even if it did take more time, where they were effective? Well, there are a number of uh, examples in history where they've worked perhaps prominently with the apartheid regime in South Africa, when sanctions were applied uh, for a number of years and finally led the South African regime to basically dismantle apartheid. But it took a while. It took uh, many, many years and a lot of suffering. uh, But the end result uh, was certainly worthwhile. Okay, so is that the result, do you think, that governments still have in mind when they think about imposing sanctions? Uh. I think there's still a a disconnect. Uh, They want to impose sanctions because they don't want to use the full military force, and they know that diplomacy isn't enough. Uh, But this ambiguous uh, uh, 
uh, nature of, of, of policymakers, not wanting to pay too much, not wanting to fight too hard uh, and risk a bigger military conflict, makes, makes the uh, impact of the sanctions less uh, forceful than they otherwise would be, less potent. Right. So in your work, then, is there a way that you have seen, is there a way of improving sanctions? Like, can we do this better? Well, uh, officials learn by doing. And so over the years, uh, there has been uh, efforts to try to fine tune how you apply the sanctions. More effort has been made on blocking financial transactions. And therefore, you see the, the really most important sanctions against Russia have hit the financial system and made it much more difficult for Russia to import goods uh, that it needs to uh, maintain its economy and its military. doesn't block them from doing it, but it makes it harder to find the goods that they need. They get lower quality goods and they pay a higher price for it. So that in turn erodes their economic viability. So it sounds like then it's kind of a waiting game, Jeffrey. It is a waiting game. And remember, Putin uh, has been playing this game for nine years uh, since he invaded Crimea back in 2014. That was nine years ago. And uh, he's he's in it for the long haul and he doesn't have much of a a choice because if he doesn't win, uh, it's not very good for him. So uh, I think uh, Western countries have to realize that this is something they have to plan, not just for this year and next year, but uh, how to deal with Russia going forward, how to deal even when hostilities end for a incomplete peace that is likely to emerge. So countries that impose sanctions like the United States, like Canada, are we good at enforcing them too? Because it's one thing to just announce something. We have to follow up, right? Exactly. And that's critical. And uh, that's where the financial sanctions come in, because the enforcement is actually being done by the private banks. Uh, who risk massive fines if they don't, uh, if any of their uh, customers or clients uh, uh, basically violate the sanctions. And so we see the cost of enforcement, not just in government agencies, but being introduced in, in the private sector with huge compliance uh, offices and, and staffs being uh, introduced over the years costly to the banks, costly to the consumers, but meant to try to enforce the, uh, the sanctions. Not, not airtight, uh, but uh, they do block a lot because banks don't want to risk a billion-dollar fine. Right. And so have we done that before? Have fines been levied in, in cases that are necessary? Uh, yes. And uh, there have been multi-billion-dollar fines imposed against uh, some banks, one in France, uh, companies have been hit. Uh, Huawei, the uh, Chinese uh, uh, chip maker, has been uh, hit with sanctions for violating Iran sanctions. Uh, and that was before we started blocking all sorts of flows of technology to Huawei. So there has been enforcement, but it's uh, a bit of a whack a mole exercise because. If there's an economic incentive to evade the sanctions, somebody is going to take that risk. And uh, so what you try to do is make sure that you get all the big guys in, the, in, the, uh, in commerce uh, to comply, knowing that there will be some small uh, evasions. And even the tightest sanctions, we had tight sanctions against Saddam Hussein. 
even Saddam Hussein's uh, facing the tightest world sanctions still was able to smuggle in billions of dollars of goods each year. Uh, so if there's an incentive, people will take yeah. the risk and try to get around it, but uh, it will be harder. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeffrey, thank you. Thank you very much. That's Jeffrey Schott, Senior Fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics and the co-author of Economic Sanctions Reconsidered. I mean, this week we heard a lot about sanctions, more of them being applied to Russia from Canada and the United States. Uh, We still have many sanctions applied to the Iranian regime as well. And the question is, do they actually work? Well, it sounds like they do. They just take more time. And how much more time is it going to take? Because some of these are pretty widespread, right? Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.